Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at bluenile.com for $50 off your purchase. bluenile.com code LISTEN. Hello, I'm Stephen. And I'm Anoush. And in this week's Helenless New Statesman podcast, we discuss... Theresa May's suffragette slip. Whether or not the Conservatives can win a majority by maximising the white vote. And how the Labour Party can tackle that. Yes, Helen is away for the next two months, so Anoush is stepping into the breach. On the subject of stepping into the breach... Theresa May gave a big speech about bad segues. Uh, no, Theresa May <laughs> gave a, a big speech uh, to mark the 100th anniversary of some women being given the vote, the 90th anniversary of all women being given the vote, and I want to say the 60th anniversary of women being able to enter the House of Lords as life peers under the Life Peerage Act in 1958, and the something anniversary of the abolition of the university constituencies which had a restricted franchise for women. So all of those anniversaries falling in the... Which is... You know when you, you suddenly something suddenly occurs to you? And it's, I've just realised that that must have meant that at some point in 1927, someone went, you know, it would probably be good if we let all women have the vote. And someone went, yeah, but if we wait one more year... It'll be a nice round number. Yeah. <laughs> um, just like, logically, that... These dates all lining up must have at some point at least influenced the timing of one of them. But anyway, she, For gave, our this, sake. Yeah, she yeah. gave this speech. Yeah, so what was interesting is that this could have been a great moment for Theresa May. She's a female prime minister. She's the Tories' second female prime minister, which is a much better record than any other party. And she could have used it to sort of champion those credentials and also just tell a good news story. But instead, what did she do? She gave a speech in which she talked about, in which she effectively talked about the fact that lots of Labour activists are mean and horrible on Twitter and that they need to be laws to prevent them doing so. Now, there are kind of a couple of problems. One, as you say, and actually, there, there is the potential for Theresa May to go, yeah, I, I've always been acutely aware, as she has been, of being the only woman of my generation really to make it in in the 97 intake. Yeah. As a result of that, I helped found Women to Win. As a result of Women to Win, the following exciting women, and then she could name check some of the women who've come in through Women to Win who she's promoted into the front bench, some of the ones who she has yet to promote, which obviously would have the benefit of reminding Conservative MPs that she can A, do an optimistic thing, and B, could create a future without her. Yeah, and she could have showed off about all of the talent that she promoted to the front bench in the reshuffle as well. Yeah, and then she could have, because, you know, the lack of the government's majority doesn't mean that the government can't do anything sort of big and radical. It means it can't do things which are right-wing and big and radical, but it could do things which would 
massively improved Theresa May's standing when people look back. I, I think voters have made up their mind about her. But I think, you know, if she'd stood up and said domestic violence, an issue she at least used to talk about caring about, this bill that got mothballed because of the snap election, we're going to bring that back. You could have a far-reaching and, 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 you know, very positive bill with the support of the other parties quite easily. Instead of, I mean, actually, I, I, I've been intrigued to know what you think about this, because I think that the Conservatives will never make any headway on this sort of meme of people affiliated with the Labour Party have behaved badly, while they don't acknowledge the fact that in the last two years, we've had two acts of political violence, two murders influenced by right-wing rhetoric. We've had Thomas Mayer and we've had Darren Osborne sentenced uh, two weeks ago for two reasons. One, because I think voters kind of screen out attacks on the other side. They just kind of go like, well, yeah, you two up to your old tricks, shouting at each other again. Yeah. And two, because until the Conservatives acknowledge the moat in their own eye, any attack on Labour, Labour will be able to go, yeah, I know you are, but what am I? Am I wrong? I think that's right, but I don't think that's their only problem with it. I think it's just so cynical to be drawn to these sort of petty culture wars. I mean, I think Theresa May's speech was sort of just off the back of a few seconds video footage of Jacob Rees Mogg being mobbed or not being mobbed at a student event. And the fact that they're trying to make Labour sound like the nasty party, like you say, is ironic because the Tories have this long reputation of being the nasty party thanks to Theresa May's own words and also the actions of some of their members. But it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't filter through. I don't think ordinary voters really know what even momentum is, whatever you think of momentum. I don't think they understand about what it means that the rule changes in the Labour Party make members have more power and that this could potentially be nasty for some of their MPs. I don't think anyone's really listening to that. No one sees Labour particularly as the nasty party. They might not, might not like their policies, but they still seem like the softer option, don't they? Yeah, I think that's the thing. It's, an, it, it's so hard to convince people of something which fundamentally upends their worldview, which is why all successful politicians, right, you saw this with Cameron and Osborne. You see it with Corbyn, actually, right? He talks about his politics as common sense, right? Even though what Labour want to do is say, look, the economic system is not working, we need a big radical change. The vocabulary they use when they are facing outwards to the country as a whole is of uh, a more gradual vision, because it's really hard to convince people of something which goes against their worldview. And the worldview of most people isn't the Labour Party is like, maybe a bit daffy, yeah. But its heart is in the right place. Exactly. Now, you can be very angry about that, right? And I'm aware that a lot of conservatives do feel deeply angry about both the nasty party label mm. and the way they feel Labour gets a free pass for the behaviour of some of its activists. Yeah. I mean, fine. However, like, sorry, like life is tough in the big bad world. You, you just kind of have to accept where people's opinions are and you kind of... Like, I'm sure if the Conservatives put all of their energy into the next five years to pointing out Labour is mean as well, mm. they may successfully convince voters that both parties are a bit mean. However, my instinct is the inbuilt sense that the Tories are the meaner ones will always mean that no matter how mean people think Labour are, their sense of how mean... Exactly. And also, I think that it's a plus for some voters that the Conservatives are the meaner ones. You know, Labour is seen as soft on crime soft on terrorism and that kind of thing plays to voters that conservatives need to keep so you know it's, it's just a losing battle really either way yeah i mean i just think you know it's kind of like so today in pmqs vicky ford stood up and they went back onto the kind of you know john mcdonnell 
what he said about Esther McVeigh. Mm. I don't think John McDonald should have said that about Esther McVeigh. However, I also think that, particularly in a bad economy, right, then maybe in maybe in 2001, you can fight an election solely on the other lot or are smelly and mean. But I just don't think the economy in 2022 will be in a position in which people care. And I also just think the problem is it really does look like the Conservatives only care because it's Labour. Exactly. If, if they were willing to kind of not suspend, you know, it's a bit like you know, the kind of Emma Dent code round. So it is now... As far as I can tell, the official position of the Conservative Party is that describing someone as a token ghetto boy is more offensive than using the (laughs) N-word. Oh, yeah. Because they only suspended her for six months, right? Now, that's arguable, I suppose. However, there's just no value to be had. Labour is not invulnerable, right? There's a large number of issues that were I sitting down and going a list of like things I would attack the Labour Party on, where I think there are votes to be won. The third of Labour voters who still say they don't want Corbyn as Prime Minister would make me quite nervous if I were a Labour strategist. Yeah, and the um, complete uh, mismatch of what the members want from Brexit than the leadership is also something that you could possibly exploit, though that might be quite difficult for the Conservative Party at the moment, considering their position on Brexit. But didn't the last election just prove to us that running a campaign where you're basically putting up more pictures of Diane Abbott and Jeremy Corbyn than your own candidates doesn't work? In these circumstances, it doesn't work. Um, so trying to run a negative campaign. Also, there's not an election soon. So I don't really know why they're, why they're in this negative campaign mode as well. So I think negative campaigns can work, provided the negative campaign is sort of drawing attention to a dividing line that you win on or are seen as stronger on. So this thing is is maybe over five years you can turn are one of the political parties, mean or not, into a a salient election-winning issue. Mm -hmm. It feels unlikely to me, but given that we know that the underlying weakness of the Tory party brand, and indeed its strength, as you say, is that they are the mean ones, Mm. it doesn't feel to me like that is a valuable fight to have. In some ways, the Tory campaign in 2015, yes, it had some positive policies that did things for, you know, middle class people, right? However, it had an essentially negative thing of like the SNP are coming and they're going to boss Ed Miliband around and then take your house. Yeah. But it was a negative that accentuated their positive, which is that their prime minister-designate was considered more plausible than Labour's. Whereas Corbyn is going to be seen as less mean than the Conservative candidate for prime minister will be i you can you can cry about it you can be annoyed about it you can think it is deeply unfair but ultimately he's a kindly seeming old man who is head of the party which like spends money on people yeah therefore he's the nice one right and that that is just where voters are hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Anna. And I'm Caroline. And together we host the New Statesman's pop culture podcast, Seriously. Every Tuesday, we look at three bits of pop culture. One brand new, 
one slightly less new and one from way back and analyse them in lots of depth for our listeners. It could be anything, film, TV, music, games, books, web series. We believe everything is worth taking seriously. If you would like to know why the Emoji Movie was so bad and what's gone wrong with the Bake Off since it moved to Channel 4, but you're also interested in 1940s movies and high-concept electronic music, this is the podcast for you. To subscribe, search SRSLY in iTunes or any other podcast app or visit seriouslypod.com for more details. And now it's time for a section we like to call... You Ask Us! Oh, so you're going to do that as well. (laughs) I do it every time. But every time I hope you won't. Um, (laughs) So the question is something we discussed a couple of weeks back. (laughs) One of the ideas being floated in the Conservative Party is that you accept that Brexit means that Putney is going to be lost, Hastings is going to be lost, Kensington's not coming back, Canterbury's not coming back. But the way that the Conservatives hold on to power is to win Bishop Auckland, Darlington, Newcastle under Lyme, all of the... I realise I don't know, is is that the correct pronunciation of Newcastle under Lyme? I always assume it's pronounced like Newcastle-upon-Tyne is, but yeah, I don't I know. It, yeah. oh, it's the same, okay. You, know, you, you, you eke out wins in those seats, and that allows the Conservatives to stay in power. The question I, we've been asked from several people is, one, do we think then that can work? And how could Labour guard against it? So in my opinion, this is the Tories' rehash of their hope in the last election that they could win over Labour working class leave voters in leave voting seats. Now, we saw in the last election that that doesn't actually follow because in seats like Laura Pidcock's seat, for example, the Labour MP who won in Northwest Durham, which is one of these Northeast seats, she actually increased her majority. So it doesn't follow. It's not a logical conclusion that these seats will just lose their support for Labour and start looking to the Tories instead. And it's also something that, you know, UKIP wanted to try and win over these these Labour voters. That didn't work. They're not they're not automatically going to go right because Labour isn't, you know, saying exactly what they want on Brexit. So I'm mostly inclined to agree with that. Not least because it does feel some of the like, ooh, Labour's got a problem in some of its ex-industrial heartlands. Yeah. It's just like, I have big news for all of those people about what the average person in a industrial heartland in the 60s thought about the equal rights agenda of the Wilson government. Uh, however, the, those voters did not switch to the Conservatives because they still felt them there. So the thing is, I think the Conservatives could make a play for those votes. They would just have to be a lot more economically left-wing than they currently are. So they could move into a slightly more Christian democratic-y space, spend more on healthcare, have some actually serious money behind reskilling and adult education. And maybe that does, over successive elections, move the dial a bit. So I guess, you know, we're kind of semi-answering the how could Labour combat it thing, and I think we're kind of both... So I can understand how it might, in theory, work to eke out a very narrow majority or a repeat of what the Conservatives have now. However, the reason why the Conservatives were able to get quite a lot done, yes, admittedly, there were some things the Lib Dems stopped them doing from 2010 to 2015, was they had a majority of 72, or 77, but 70-something. Then they had a majority of like 15 or whatever derisory number it was in Cameron's two years. Now they have a majority of... (laughs) Um, So 
I don't really get why it's desirable from a Tory perspective to eke out this narrow majority, not least because they actually have to, you know, their problem in the election was they basically have to gain two votes for every one they lose. And in some places, thanks to first past the post, those two votes aren't very useful. So it's the Kensington-Ashfield problem. Gained 10,000 votes in Ashfield. Well done, Theresa May. Huge vote share. Lost 2,000 votes in Kensington. However, they didn't win Ashfield and they lost Kensington. And it just feels to me that the question that would concern me were I a conservative strategist thinking not just how can we see off Labour, but how can we govern again, is why is it that places that are getting more affluent and more diverse are getting more labor because that shouldn't in inverted commas be what happens right why are they miles off the pace and i'm going to get my leeds constituencies confused because the compass points are all wrong <laughs> but in fabian hamilton's seat which i want to say is leeds northwest that used to be a, a swing seat it hasn't looked like a swing seat for quite a while now and they should be much more concerned about that, I think. Really. Yeah, I think Ealing Central and Acton is another example of one of those seats that used to be a swing seat. And now Rupert Huck's got a pretty solid majority there. That doesn't necessarily have to happen either. It's not automatic that these voters will, will want to have a Labour MP and yeah. a Labour government. Um, and I think one of the problems is actually coming back to what we said earlier on in the podcast is that what the Conservatives really don't get at the moment is is the is the tone of what they say about culture and society and immigration and liberal values. All of that they've stopped saying or they're saying the opposite. And voters in those seats, which are affluent, diverse, they don't want to hear that message. And yeah, I just think like seeing as eventually that type of seat is already large enough that if you decide you're not going to compete there, you've basically ruled out a good majority. Yeah. Increasingly yeah. By 2022, let alone 2027. 2027. 2027. Wow. Two journalists here, <laughs> defeated by the task of adding two and five. Um, but given you know the changing shape of the country's demographics, right, there's just no path back to, you know, a Blair-level majority. I mean, you know, even like Blair's 2005 one. Yeah, and, and, and what you were saying before about them sort of campaigning in the wrong seats is just borne out by every conservative activist that you speak to in any part of the country. They, they all say that central office were sending supporters and members to, to seats that they were never going to win and channeling them away from marginal seats that they might have won. So until they sort of sort out which seats they want to win, they've, they've got no hope of doing this anyway. You've been listening to the New Statesman podcast with me, Stephen Bush, and Anoush Shekelian. It's recorded by India Bork and produced by Caroline Crampton. Our music is Devil by the Devil, licensed under Creative Commons. If you enjoyed this New Statesman podcast, why not check out The Back Half, which tackles high culture, or Seriously, which tackles pop culture, or Skylines, in which John shouts at clouds.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.